0: All right, join me in the book of Ruth again this evening, if you would, chapter number three uh, tonight. If you were here last uh, Wednesday night, I want you to know I made a few calls down to Florida and uh, it's a little inside joke for Lillian, all is good, (laughs) Ruth chapter number three. Now, if you are reading in advance through the book of Ruth, you know that chapter three can be a real challenge. It could be tricky, and there was a lot of ways <clears throat> that people view this, and, uh, and I'm not going to say if they're right or wrong, but I'm going to try to do the best I can tonight to be faithful to the Word of God. I want you to do this, though, as we read through chapter 3, as we study through chapter number 3, I want you to keep in mind the philosophy uh, of the culture that Ruth was, was living in. We had mentioned that in the very first study, chapter one, verse one talks about, you know, they lived during the days of the judges, right? And so that was there on purpose. And the purpose was this I believe the Lord was trying to uh, make us aware of the fact that Ruth and Naomi and Boaz were living during a period of time where every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Remember that study, right? That hasn't changed. They're still living during that period of time and we we kind of we kind of tagged it with this thought that every man was kind of doing what they thought was best so when we looked at Elimelech and he moves his family from bethlehem to moab he thought he was doing what was best for his family right as we go into chapter number three we're going to begin to read here some interesting things i want you to keep in mind they're still living under that philosophy where everyone is doing what they feel is best and sometimes you know we have the tendency to pay attention to the statement to take things into our own hands right uh and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make that negative to where we don't feel as if god is he's not working fast enough or if you're not trusting enough it's just human nature we feel that there's something in us that makes us believe that we need to contribute we just need to help God. Amen? Amen? And so keep that in mind because this is, this is a tricky read. And, um, and, 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 and I kind of titled this Bible study, What a Plan. What a Plan. And you'll see as we kind of go through chapter number three how that plays out. Uh, there's three approaches. Now, I'm gonna, If you follow along, I kind of tell the story, and then I give you some practical application right? So I like to do that. Again, we'll tell the story, make some comment on different verses, pull out a few things that may help our understanding, and then I'll give you some good practical application that goes along with it, okay? Uh, I will tell you this. There's, there's three approaches here in this story, three strategies. You know what a strategy is? What's a strategy? It's a plan. It's a plan, right? Everybody's got a strategy, if you, don't, if you don't say, oh, Pastor, I don't have a strategy to succeed. No, then you have one to fail. Everybody's got a plan, right? We're all working towards something. By the way, the devil has a strategy. Did you know that? Uh, Apostle Paul said to church in Corinth, we're not uh, ignorant of his devices. That word devices there can be uh, interpreted as plan or strategy. So we're not, we're not ignorant of his devices, you know? And so they have a strategy here, and there's three of them mentioned. Naomi. Ruth and Moaz all have a, a an approach to the same situation, and it's unique. They all approach it in a, in a unique way. And so let's begin let's begin in verse number one with Naomi. notice notice what she says. Naomi in verse number one, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, "My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee?" Now, let me just pause, and sometimes it's hard to really get the gist of what's being said there, but I think what Naomi is saying pretty much is this. In other words, she's saying, uh, we have got to find you a husband. I will not rest. I will not rest until we find you a husband. That's pretty much what, What I have Ruth 2.19 there? I'm sorry, that's wrong. It should be one. Yeah, I fell asleep when I was doing that and i woke up and i forgot to fix it i was eating a donut in my office and fell asleep Uh, but anyway so you got your bible front of you right and so pretty much verse number one she says this and this is important remember the remember the philosophy she's living under right and so she says this i'm not going to rest look she said i shall not seek rest for thee. i'm not going to rest until we find you a husband right and then she goes on and implies that Boaz, looking at verse number two, and now is not Boaz our kindred with whose maidens thou wast. Uh, behold, he will knoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. And so now she implies that Boaz would be, you know, I can just picture her face saying, I don't want to say it, but uh. he would be the one, right? Uh, she mentions to, to her, he's, he's our relative. He's a kinsman, and that's key, right? And I'm not going to get into all the doctrinal things here, but that's key because in that culture, it would mean the nearest the nearest relative would bear responsibility for taking care of her, right, of Naomi and Ruth, you know? And so she reminds Ruth that, hey, listen, I'm not going to let this rest until we find you a man. And I just happen to think Boaz, he, he the man. He is the man, right? Um, however, her plan seems rather odd. Look at verse number three and four. She says this to Ruth. Now, here's her plan. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. What floor? Well, the threshing floor, verse number two. Until he shall have done eaten and dr- uh, done eating and drinking. And it shall be, now pay attention here, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And I have these next few words highlighted in my Bible on purpose. And here's what she said to Ruth. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Does your Bible say that? And he shall tell thee what thou shalt do. Now, I get it. When you read through that with the naked eye, maybe the first time you ever read it, you might think that that Naomi is encouraging Ruth to be rather promiscuous. Right? I mean, hey, listen, you need a man. He's a businessman. He's a relative. He'll do. Here's what you need to do. You need to go and wash yourself, put on some clothes, put on some perfume, make yourself look real good after he eats and drinks and falls asleep, you know, slipping, and really he was just laying next to the barley, slipping next to him, uncover his clothes, get close, and just lie next to him. And that seems rather odd. Huh? And I want to tell you this up front, I want to mention this in just a moment. It's not good counsel. <laughs> I would never counsel my granddaughter, Julian, who's now 16 years old, Listen, I think that young man, look, he's he's good looking, he's got a job, he's got all his teeth, and more, (laughs) you know, here's what you need to do, I wouldn't counsel her that way, and so it appears, right, it appears that she's promoting Ruth to be promiscuous, but let's give, let's give Naomi the benefit of the doubt, can we do that, yeah? Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. And let's say this. And the reason I say that is because of the words of verse number four, where she says, he will tell you what to do. For me, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. Here's, here's what, pay attention to this. Here's, here's what I, I believe. She's living in a culture where you just, you just got to do it for yourself. She's trusting God. But, you know, everybody's doing what they feel is best. You know and so she decides i need to help this young lady and when she says to ruth he will tell you what to do here's what i believe she's saying she's saying i'm trusting in the character and integrity of boaz yeah i'm trusting that he'll not uh defraud you or take advantage of you he'll tell you what to do are you with me and in essence i believe what she's encouraging here is this young lady to be aggressive, be aggressive. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with encouraging people to be aggressive every once in a while. Because some other people can be really slow with a draw, right? I've passed her long enough and I've seen young men just drag their feet where I want to go over and give them a little kick in the fanny and say, dude, would you already ask her? Would you already get busy, right? Right? And so she's saying to her daughter-in-law, I think she's saying this, you need to be aggressive. Uh, Let's move on because there's more to the story. In verse number five, uh, the story shifts. And now Ruth replies to Naomi. Look at verse number five. And she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And so in other words, what she's saying to her mother-in-law is this, whatever you say, whatever you say, that's exactly what I'm going to do. However, Ruth puts her own plan to work. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. What did her mother-in-law tell her to do? Just go lay next to him. And whatever Boaz says, you do. Well, she goes lays next to him. And let's read on. It says, and she went down to the floor, did according to all that her mother-in-law had bade her. When Boaz had eaten and, and, and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly, uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, "Here, Look, look, look what she says, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, her mother in law didn't tell her to do that. Her mother in law said, What? Her mother in law said, Just go get cleaned up, get prettied up, get dolled up, go lay next to him, and he'll tell you what to do. Well, who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth, and here's what you need to do. You need to marry me because you are our closest relative, and it's your responsibility to take care of us. That's what she said. That's what that text of Scripture teaches. Huh? Right? So she's got her own plan. And when you look at those words there in verse number uh, nine, when she said, you know, spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, the reference there is this put us under your wing. Put us under your wing. It's your responsibility to care for us. Put us under your wing. How about that? I would say this maybe, maybe just possibly, this might be the first mention in the Bible of a woman proposing to a man. Huh? I don't think it's the last mention ever, (laughs) you know, because it happens often, doesn't it? Men need help sometimes, you know, we need a little nudge. She gives him a little nudge. Who said amen back there? Carol. As you read on, we find another shift in the story. Look at verse number 10. And he said, Now, this is Boaz. He said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followed not young men, whether poor or rich. Now, he's commending her, right? And here's what he says, verse 11, Now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. Huh, how about that? Look at all the ladies. They're saying, man, where's that Boaz at? I need a guy like that. He said, For all of the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. You see his response? I I like that, right? He says, you know, uh, I, I commend you know, I commend your integrity, your character, your loyalty to your mother-in-law. You're you're a real blessing. May the Lord bless you. And whatever you just said, well, we're going to take care of that. However, however, you don't see that word there, but there's a however between verse 11 and 12. However, he says, there's a little tafu, tafu. There's a snag in the process. He says in verse 12, and now it's true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. And Ruth must have said, (gasps) because the nearer kinsman had first right of refusal. Right? You see that? And so Boaz says to her, listen, I get it. You're special. Yes, indeed, I can see God in this. However, there's some other things we got to work out first. There is another man who's closer to Elimelech, Naomi, than I. He's the nearer kinsman. Let me go and talk with the nearer kinsman and see if we can work this out. That's what he said. Look look at the next text. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well, let him do it to the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of the kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. You see that? That's awesome. So uh, now, now, of course, you see um, uh, the, the, the plan of, of Boaz. And here's what I believe. I believe this. When he says, lie down till morning, that's key, that there was no intimacy between them. Not at all. But I want to do this. I want to point out the obvious real quick. May I do that? May I just point out the obvious? Um, this was not a good plan. Let's just say it. Okay? This was not a good plan uh, devised by Naomi. It was, In fact, it was risky. And the reason I say that is this. Uh, it, it placed both Ruth and Boaz in an awkward, sensitive position. Right? I mean, think about the details. You know? Uh, and I think this. I think things could have turned ugly real quick. Amen? Amen. Uh, Not only was it not a good plan, I think this, I think Ruth placed herself in a bad position or in a bad spot. You know, Uh, Boaz was eating and drinking, and the Bible tells us that he was made merry. I know where we stand here at Open Bible and where we stand as Christians when it comes to drinking alcoholic beverages, the Bible says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. However, There was people in the Bible who drank alcoholic beverages, one being Noah, right? You know, and others. And so he's eating and drinking and he's merry. I have to believe that he was drinking a little bit of of wine. He had a little bit of Italian in him. And all of a sudden he's awakened, you know, by a young lady, you know, it says at midnight, who's lying by his side. That could have went in all kinds of directions, right? Don't you agree? Very tempting position to be placed in. And again, I would never counsel a young lady to follow this example. A whole lot of trouble. What happened to you? This is what pastor told me to do. You would either visit me at the prison or at the graveyard, the cemetery. But also, I want you to notice this, Boaz is Boaz walking close to the edge. Huh. Uh, when he said, look in verse number number 13, the very last words, lie down until the morning. Mm, he's walking pretty close to the edge there. You know, uh, dangerous position to place yourself in. You know, uh, don't you agree? Uh, you need to be careful. Hey, look, look here. When you walk close to the edge, you need to be real careful because sometimes you're not as stable as you think you are, and you might have a tendency to fall. Amen? And so just, just pointing out some obvious things here, right? Because I want you to know this wasn't a good plan, and both Ruth and Boaz just placed themselves in a bad position. But let's let's read the rest of the story. Look at verse number 14. And she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another and said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley. That's a lot of barley. That's several pounds of barley. He loads her up with these groceries and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came, To her mother in law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother in law. Then, now these are the words of Naomi, then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he had finished the thing this day. So let me add just a little commentary to these final. Uh, a few verses of this, of this story, uh, of this chapter. Uh, Boaz, again, shows Ruth some real kindness, and he loads her up, you know? I think somebody said, you know, that amount of barley could have amounted almost 50 pounds of barley, you know? And he lays it upon her, you know, and big sack uh, over her shoulder. Uh, she returns home, gives the groceries and the report to Naomi, and Naomi says this to her. She said to Ruth, be patient. Here's what she's saying. Boaz will not let this matter rest until it's settled. That's what that means there in verse number 18. I know him. He is not going to let this matter rest until he gets it settled. What matter? Well, there's a nearer kinsman, right? And guess what? She was right. Look, just take a peek. Don't, Don't look too far, but take a peek at chapter four, verse one. Then Boaz then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down and behold the kinsman of whom Boaz spoke of came under whom he said, uh, hey, turn aside, sit down here and let's chat for a little bit. I mean, the very next morning, where is he at? He's at the gate finding that, that nearer kinsman. So Naomi was right. He's not going to let this thing rest until we get it settled. Amen. And that's another, that's another story that we'll take a look at next week. Now, that's the story. Isn't that a great story? I promise you this, if you were to read through chapter number three, especially the first four verses, it can go in all kinds of different directions. And there are some gifted Bible teachers that will take the comments of Naomi in a direction that is other than where we just went. And you know what? Maybe, Maybe they're on it. Maybe they are, you know? Um, But I feel very comfortable in what I just shared with you, simply because I'm trying to be faithful to the Scriptures and to the whole story. You don't just isolate, right, a text of Scripture and teach your doctrine. you got to put it in the whole. And this whole story is a testimony to the sovereignty of God and the providence of God, how God orchestrates things in our lives, how He brings things together, how He causes one to rise and another to be sat down. So God is in all of this. And I got to believe, you know, that somewhere in here, there is divine sanctification. There's divine wisdom working, right? However, there are some very practical lessons that I want to draw out of this story for us this evening. Uh, And I want you to see them. Here's the first one. You ready? The first one is this. The Bible records real life events, doesn't it? I just mentioned a moment ago, Raji, how we read in the scriptures how Noah, Noah, the man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, got drunk. Right? Uh, We read, the Bible says this, Kevin, about David. He was a man after God's own heart. And yet, we read that there was a day when, you know, everybody went out to war. He stayed home. He takes a walk out on his patio and he spies out a a young lady, beautiful woman, another man's wife, you know the story, commissions her and has has an affair with her, has her husband killed, and that's a real-life event. That's in the Bible, (laughs) right? We can go on and on. Talks in the Bible how there was a fellow named Demas in the New Testament who was a cohort of Paul. I mean, he was an assistant pastor to Paul, and yet... We find there's a day when the Bible says, Paul speaks, and he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. So the Bible records real-life events. But listen to this statement. I said all that to say this. That doesn't mean it's promoting us to follow them. Did you get that? Don't miss that. That was worth the price of admission. You'll you'll see here in the Scripture some real-life events. Events like we just read. Here's Naomi. She's encouraging her daughter-in-law to doesn't mean God is saying, go out and follow that example. Right? There's Bible. Look here. The Bible records lies. It doesn't promote lying. Right? So we need to be careful with that. The plan of Naomi is just that. It's a real life. Event and I'm sure he, you know, she had her reasons for, you know, why she did what she did, and in her mind they were justified. However, we need to be careful to follow God's word. Don't you agree? Uh, listen to this Bible verse, Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Right in Proverbs three, in verse number five, we won't even go to six, but in Proverbs three, verse number five, we find two uh, roads in decision making. Right, the first one is trust in the Lord. The second is lean to your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then the second, and lean not unto your own understanding, right? I would have to say this, Donald, when I read that story, and if I apply Proverbs 3, verse number five, Naomi was leaning to her own understanding. You don't have to agree, but I believe she was. That's, that's what she was, that's what she was Trained to do that's what her husband, you know, um, led her to do. That's what he did. He did what he thought was best. She's doing what she thought was best. Doesn't mean it was best. There is a way that seems right unto a man. But the idea is this we need to make sure that we filter everything through the Word of God. We need to make sure that we, you know, evaluate everything based upon the Word of God, right? And when we're uncertain. This is a personal preference. When we're uncertain about a major decision or about an important decision and you're uncertain, use Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15 as your guide. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's key, right? So if I'm not sure what to do, and sometimes in life we're just not sure what to do, let the peace of God rule. And I remember years and years and years and years ago, Hearing a pastor take that Bible verse and illustrate it. If you're a sports like lover, he illustrated it like this Let the peace of God be the referee in your heart. You know, and when he blows the whistle, stop. Right? Because, you know, he might be, you know, cautioning a penalty, illegal procedure. Because when we and I, when we're moving forward without confidence, when we're moving forward without knowing the will of God and the word of God, we might be moving forward in a direction we, we just don't want to be going forward in. And So I think this, I think we need to make sure that we follow the word of God. I believe we have an example of, of leaning on your own understanding here, and I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I, I think it is. The second thing I see is this, and I, I like this. I hope you do as well. Grace is still amazing. <laughs> Grace is still amazing. Here's Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. I mean to tell you, they all got their plan. You know, they're all. And all of a sudden, man, God just, huh, intercedes. And I and I and I I, I, I liken it to this. I liken it to where God looks at their heart. Are you with me? He looks at their heart and he adds his mercy and his grace to the story. We'll see it really come to fruition next week. But here's Naomi. Hey, go get yourself cleaned up. Dial yourself up. Go lay next to him. Ruth says okay, whatever you say. She goes and does that very thing. Boaz wakes up. Who in the world are you? Oh, I'll do whatever you say. Hey, stay the night. He could have said to her, listen, you need to go home right now. By the way, I would say, tell her to go home right now. Amen? You may not be a Boaz. You may not be a Ruth. You know? or A a Joseph. You know? Tell her to go home right now. God knows all that. And what he does here, I think, is this. He adds his grace and his mercy to the story. Right? And and it's going to turn out wonderful. It's going to turn out great. And I won't get ahead of myself. We'll we'll look at that next time. It's going to turn out great. But I think this. I wrote this down. We should never tempt the grace of God. Right? You know, the book of Romans, Romans tells us this, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer to that is, God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we shouldn't tempt the grace of God or frustrate the grace of God. But know this, know this, God looks at our hearts when our heads get a little cloudy. Your head ever get a little cloudy? Uh, do you ever get a little, let me, let me use this word, do you ever get a little messy up there? Huh? I'm so glad that God, you know how many times I've said this, and you, 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 you can fault me if you want. How many times i said this, you know what, I'm done. I quit. I'm, I'm finished with this stuff. These people are nuts. I'm talking about the people that I pastor, not here. And I would go home, my wife, you tell you, I go home some Sunday nights and I just sit her, that's it, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm, done. I'm, t- I'm, I'm finished. I, I quit. I'm done. And she would just stroke me. <laughs> you know? And and the next morning, I wake up, and I'm hiring again. I'm going, where are you going? I'm going over to the office. I'm so glad God looks at the heart, especially when your head's a little cloudy. Did you get that? Why didn't you write that down? <laughs> First Samuel 16, 7, listen. He said this, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart, right? Now, let me caution us. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we can just throw caution to the wind and just go out and be whoever we want to do. And and God knows my heart. Don't you judge me. God knows my heart. Because all I can see is your outer appearance. And if if you're really, you know, living like a Christian ought to live, it's going to show up. It'll be on your face. It'll be in your words. It'll be in your actions. Your decisions, we'll see it, because a lot of people have used that Bible verse as an excuse to go and live sinfully. Hey, God knows my heart. Don't you judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying your appearance doesn't appear <laughs> the way it ought to appear as a Christian, right? But I'm so glad not God knows my heart, especially when my head's a little messed up. Great Bible lessons for the journey. The Bible records real-life events, but it doesn't necessarily promote them. Grace is still amazing. God looks at our hearts and he sprinkles his mercy and his grace upon us when our hearts. How could he say that about David? David was a man after my own heart. huh? There's a guy who commits adultery. Here's a man who by proxy kills another man. But God knew that David's heart, in his heart, he wanted to do right. He was human. He was a man. And here's the final lesson. Make your plans open-ended. Make your plans open-ended open-ended. Or in other words, always leave room for God to work. Amen? Uh, There are times when we are uncertain of a decision, like I just said a little bit ago. And and so we use, you know, we use the wisdom that we have uh, to make the best decision. and, And sometimes it's just, it just doesn't turn out right. And we say, man, why? Maybe God allowed us just to see which way we would choose. Right? What, what will they do? What have they learned? How deep is their faith? And I think there's times when, you know, in life it's not so easy to discern the will of God. Right? I mean, there's times when it's just tricky. Right, Lou? I mean, you're praying about a serious matter now. And, uh, you know, there's times it's really tricky in life and you're trying to do your best. Yeah. And the times the Lord leads us to make the decision on our own. However, if we're living, and pay attention to this. If we're living under the authority of God and if we leave room for God, if we make our plans open-ended and we give the Lord the right to come in and change or adjust, we'll always end up in the right place. Amen? But if you say, well, listen, I made that decision, I'm going to live by it and die by it, and you probably will. Huh? That's pride. Pride. It's when pride sets in, and pride is not your friend, amen. Pride is an enemy. So when you make your plans, make your plans open-ended. Look at this Bible verse, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you what? To give you an expected end. Or in other words, what he's saying is this: Listen, listen. I want what's best for you, and I have a plan that will lead you to what's best for you. Just trust me. huh? What a plan. What a plan. That's the book of Ruth. Amen? Amen. Chapter number three. Next week, we're going to take a look at the kinsman redeemer, and that's really exciting. And I don't know if we'll wrap it up. I think maybe two more weeks, and then we'll wrap up the book of Ruth. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Take those lessons and hide them in your heart, apply them to your life, and I'm sure they'll be a blessing to you.